What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, the daily CBS Sports NFL podcast, the only daily NFL podcast on the entire Internet. As far as you or I or anyone else concerned knows, I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Thanks for hopping on. It is Wednesday morning. That means we're going to talk to Jason LaConfora, CBS Sports NFL insider. Going to get all the latest details, news notes on what's going around the league with him. I'm a moron and stayed up to watch the uh, Cubs and Rockies game so I could lose some money on the Cubs. And uh, and as a result, it's late while I'm recording this, or early, I guess. Um, so uh, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's get the show on the road. Uh, we'll hit some news. Then we'll talk to Lock and Fora uh, very briefly. Not a ton of news coming out of the NFL. Um, although I, w- I will note for the Thursday game, which is Colts at Patriots, it looks like a ton of people are going to be out for that game, including T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, a bunch of linemen. Uh, you know, if you're thinking about taking the Patriots, you may want to do it now. Um, just throwing it out there. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's some DFS and, and fantasy sleepers available out there. We'll look at that and talk with that on uh, on Thursday with Heath Cummings. Uh, elsewhere in the news, the Broncos... Broncos players claim on Monday night that they were hosed and told they were hosed by referees who missed a play clock violation that set up the game-winning Patrick Mahomes touchdown. It's pretty crazy. I wrote about it for CBSSports.com. You can go back and look at it. And, yeah, I mean, they did get screwed. The The play clock, play clock was at zero before the, the ball was snapped by Mahomes on a third and seven. Should have been third and 12. Completed a pass for 35 yards. Yada, 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 Kareem Hunt touchdown, and, and the Chiefs won. So if you're the Broncos fans, Broncos players, you're mad about that. But you know what? Not Nothing's going to happen. They need to put in review for that, but nothing's going to happen now. Um, Doug Marone and the Jaguars deny, sort of, that they ran up the score on the Jets, but it's easy to remember that Doug Marone was once spurned by the Jets and, uh, and not given the job in New York. And so maybe he was trying to send a message. Um, a Cowboys book by a... I think Gary Myers reveals that uh, Jerry Jones is, quote, averse to starting over with a new coach. Yeah, you think? If he wanted to get a new coach, he would have gotten one a while ago. He wants to make this Jason Garrett think work thing work. He's convinced. He's convinced himself that Jason Garrett is going to be great and he's going to win a Super Bowl with Jason Garrett. And then Jerry Jones will be heaped praise upon. Praise will be heaped upon Jerry Jones because he picked the coach that won the Super Bowl. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be a genius. He didn't care about, he didn't actually care about the winning. He wants to be the guy who orchestrated the win. Um, Des Bryant, speaking of the Cowboys, said he'd rather play for the Cowboys, quote, if not, I'll be ready to play somewhere else. Just go back to the Cowboys, Des. Cowboys, take Des back. What are we, what are we doing here? Just make it, make something happen, guys. Just do, do it. And, uh, Michael Kendricks suspended indefinitely, uh, because of his insider trading issue. So that means he will not play. Apparently Pete Carroll made a, um, suspended it definitely by the NFL, obviously. Uh, but Pete Carroll made an impassioned plea to the NFL, to Roger Goodell, to try and keep him, keep Kendricks on the field for the Seahawks, and he'd been doing a good job, you know, with everything. Uh, but it wasn't enough, and they have decided to suspend him. You can watch the rest of the Seahawks play if you want to do so. Um, with NFL Game Pass, I highly recommend you get NFL Game Pass. It's You can get a free seven-day trial, too, if you go to NFL.com slash pick six. Every single game, every single week, 
all the NFL action. You get the all 22. That's the coaches tape. You get the, the broadcast version. You get the condensed version. You can watch any game, anytime on your smartphone, on your computer. Uh, you can fire them up on your, I fire mine up on my Xbox. Um, I, why would you not do this? It's free. A free seven day trial. Check it out. Test it out. Give it a test run. If you don't like it, get back and set up for a new email address or something. That's NFL.com slash pick six to get a free seven day trial of the NFL Game Pass service, a must-have for any hardcore football fan. You know who's a hardcore football fan? Jason La Canfora. Let's go talk to him about the latest news and notes around the NFL. All right, time to talk a little news and notes with Jason La Canfora. And if you like real hard-hitting NFL analysis from guys like JLC and all our experts, you need to check out CBS Sports HQ. It's our live 24-7 streaming network available on all your smart devices. It's real sports news for real sports fans. It's none of that fluff, none of that garbage storylines that you might catch in the other networks. It is high-octane sports news delivered straight to your face on your Roku, Amazon, Apple TV, all every smart device, or cbssports.com backslash live. Gambling, fantasy, NFL, talk, everything you want. If you're not watching, you're not winning. Is this exactly how you feel every time you appear on HQ, Jason? Well, I mean, I'm just wondering, the high octane in your face, is that in the copy or is that you? I, I, I ad-libbed on that one a little bit. I, I just was wondering. I'm just picturing some dude in, like, marketing for CBS writing that line. Which, I, I mean, wouldn't entirely shock me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. The, the feedback I've gotten is um, – Try to stay on the ad copy, please. <laughs> and then I, well, I prefer, I, I prefer the nuance with which you deliver your own lines. <laughs> thank so. you, thank you, thank you. I, I will remain in the dissenting camp and say just completely go off script and wing it. Right, I'm the I'm the Le'Veon Bell of the CBS Sports ad copy because I'm. Who I, does it? Who, who <laughs> doesn't like the visual of high octane whatever in your face? <laughs> high octane sports news in your face. This <laughs> is just a picture of Nick Cost. Nick Cost is doing finger guns. <laughs> yeah, next time I like fill up the Pathfinder, I'm just going to squirt some high octane gas on my face while I'm at it. Just kind of drizzle a little bit on me. I'm gonna, and then, and then while I'm blinded, make my best bet picks because it can't get any worse. Are you still struggling? I, I we, five, four, and one. I mean, that's okay. Good. All right. Um, what are you looking at when you? What did you? Who did you have this past week? I, I had a bad week this past week. I think three and two. That's okay. Overall, I had my my I, I had my best week of the season, which isn't saying much. I think I won eight or nine games, and then a couple of them I lost. Is typical, you know, ridiculousness. Well, they, well I mean, they, the NFL I games felt like I had the game pegged. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, you know, NFL NFL mean. games flip late. Jamie Eisenberg still yeah. leading at thirty five twenty six and two. All our experts nine five and one this past week. You went eight six and one. Oh. Oh, you were not having the best season of your. No, at weeks two and week three, I was, dude, I was couldn't pick a game to save my life. Yeah, I did bad week three. Um, it's hard out there for NFL experts. There's no, there's it no, is. there's no like. It feels like this year too is almost a little like I don't know. It's a little little harder to predict, and I feel to me there are a couple of teams that might be establishing themselves as above the pack. And we saw the Chiefs on on Monday night look very good. Um, the one team that people thought would be there, though, the Steelers are not there. And Le'Veon Bell, according to reports, coming back in Week Seven. Are you? What are you hearing from the Steelers side of things in terms of is he? Can he come back in Week Seven? And will they welcome him? And what will their plan be if he does in fact return Week Seven? 
Yeah, I mean, that's their expectation now. Not that that was conveyed originally to them, but then once um, it was reported, they kind of started sniffing around on it. So that's the indication they have for now. Now, it certainly could change. It's a lot of time between now and then, and Le'Veon Bell has obviously proven to be somebody who's willing to, to do things, you know, his own way, at his own pace, when when he wants. So I, I wouldn't put that, you know, I wouldn't write that in Sharpie. But... Uh, certainly that that's the plan right now. I still don't believe he ever plays a, a game for the Steelers. I wow. mean, he obviously wouldn't play week seven and then you've got week eight and that's the last week before um, the trade deadline. Sure. They could, they could put him on a two week roster exemption if they wanted, you know, cause they, you know, when he reports, who knows what kind of shape he's going to be in. Right. So they could look at him by week and say, yeah, we're still going to scratch him one more week. And and that would get them to the trade deadline with, with a ostensibly healthy Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't see it it ending well between him and the Steelers. I, I just don't. They still have serious concerns about how the locker room would respond to him and whether or not he'd be welcome. And you know, even the timing of this is kind of odd to them. Like you're going to come back on the bye week, like. You know what I mean? When he, all the players are about to get out of town. Well, and he gets and he, he gets paid too he, for the bye week. Well, not if he's on a roster exemption. Oh, you know what I mean? Okay, and that's right, something right. they'd have to talk about. But like, if I'm the Steelers and he comes back on a bye week, I'd be like, "Well, you can sign this whenever you want, but we're going to put you on the exemption, and we're not going to pay you." Now, so, just I mean, no, just even just, that just, looks what, like almost kind of picking a fight. Right for oh yeah, hundred percent. Now, from with, his standpoint, you know, thinking I'm going to come back, practice three times, and get my eight fifty. And okay, I, mean, so, okay. I, I can't tell you that I, I know exactly what the Steelers would do because they just have started talking about it themselves. But the early indications I got were, oh, yeah, he, he's going to be on that exempt list for at least a week, maybe two. And he's not getting paid, at least especially during the bye week, if, he, if he's not playing a game. So the whole thing still is, is rather odd. Uh, but but I don't begrudge him for doing what he thinks he has to do. He's taking care of, of himself. Uh, whether this is going to work or not, you know, whether he'll ever recoup the half a season that, you know, in, in pay that he lost and all that stuff, whether he'll ever get a deal that beats what he could have got from the Steelers two years ago, much less um, this past summer. All, all of that remains to be seen. But, you know, I understand the strategy of what he's doing. I think you know, I wonder if Earl Thomas right now is saying, damn, I wish I would have just sat out three or four weeks. Mm. You know, and maybe Seattle, if they're one and four, one and three, whatever, would have just traded me rather than, um, you know, deal with this situation. So I, I understand it, um, but it doesn't mean that it's going to go exactly the way Bell would hope. And I don't think we've heard the last of his clash with the Steelers, and I do still seriously doubt that we see him play another game in, in the Steelers uniform. Uh, so just so people know, there are a couple outcomes that could happen here. One, they could they could pay him and can just let him play. That doesn't seem like a, a viable situation. Two, uh, they could they can actually rescind the franchise tag, right? And he would just immediately be a free agent. That's not going to happen, correct? No, I mean, no, that's okay. not going to happen. Right. Um, three, they can do the – they can trade him and they have – as Jason pointed out, until week eight, the Tuesday after week eight to do that, and four, um, they can use the roster exemption on him and just try to figure out what happens. I mean, I, so what? I what? I guess I don't know what happens if he comes back. They use a roster exemption on him. The, the NFL gives him two weeks. They don't have to pay him for two weeks. 
the two weeks lapses, they can't. Well, figure- that's negotiable between the sides, but that that's where it get tricky. I mean, I, I would have to think his agent before he actually signs that thing would you know would call them and say, "What are we going to do about the exemption?" And then I would think they would say, "Well, we're definitely not paying him the bye week. Like if you sign this the Tuesday before the bye week, we're not paying him that week." And then you know I don't know what he said. Well, what about why don't we try to work something out? Or he could just say, "Well, then he won't show up at all." I mean, that's where things have. You know, that's where things could potentially get off the rails. That's why I, I would say I wouldn't write this in Sharpie just yet. All this has sort of been a uh, sort of bizarre, I shouldn't say bizarre, but sort of a different sort of negotiation where, you know, a lot of this stuff is fungible. But, I mean, I know the Steelers' immediate reaction was like, that's a really odd week for him to pick. And, oh, yeah, that exemption is definitely in play. And man, <laughs> we hope somebody gives us an offer for him before we step. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we hope things step up here. Like, why aren't more teams calling? Wow. So I mean, it's possible that he comes back in knowing they don't have a ton of trade offers, signs the tender, and then they just pedal him for the for whatever whatever they can get for him, right? I mean, they want to get a two. I I think ultimately they'll probably get a three that could move up. I mean. If he left as a compensatory pick, that, that equation likely ends up with them getting a late third-round pick or something like that. So, yeah, I think ultimately if they could get a, a higher three rather than the compensatory pick at the end of the third round, which is really more like an early four than a late three. I mean, the third round is technically over. Right. You know, when you get to thirty second, the 32nd pick of that round. Um, I, I think they would they would strongly consider that. You know, and and they're looking at Green Bay and saying, why why aren't they calling us? And now they're looking at Tampa Bay like, we don't think they're going to call us, you know, because 2-0 was one thing, but that team looks like it's falling apart. And are they really going to go, you know, pay a running back a million dollars a week to rent them when, you know, their quarterback might not be any good now? Yeah. And, you know, does somebody else step up? I mean, Philadelphia to me is still, and we talked about it last week, and if you watch that Tennessee game, and at, the whole time I'm watching that game, I'm sitting there like, I should really write another column about this because <laughs> they can't pass protect. They can't, you know, the screen game without um, uh, without Sproles isn't the same. I mean, Corey Clement can do a few things. He's not Le'Veon Bell. They struggled to run the ball most of that game. They got a few things in the RPOs in the fourth fourth quarter. Um spreading it out, but, you know, Ajayi's got a back situation. And, I mean, Carson Wentz was pummeled. I mean, and I, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, to me, is the best pass-protecting back in football. And third down was not was not friendly to, to Carson Wentz. He played a hell of a game, but when he wasn't completing passes, he was on his backside. I mean, he's been sacked nine times in two weeks. Whew. The offensive line isn't quite what it was. I, I counted him hitting the ground. I, I mean, you're watching a lot of games at once, so it's hard to say, but... I mean, he got he got knocked to the ground eight to ten times by my count, and they got hands on him probably at least a dozen times, and I would say at least three quarters of those twelve hits were, you know what I mean, not just like two hand touch. Like he got impacted yeah, by the force of a defender from the Titans, and so they're sitting there watching that film on Monday, you know, and you know, uh, you know, again, they're a little weak at running back. A guy he's got a jacked up back. The offensive line, maybe it gets better, maybe it doesn't. Um, you know, Alshon had a nice game, but 
I just think the short and intermediate stuff, Le'Veon, plus just the ability to establish the run a little more. I, I, that to me right now is the team. It, it, you know, and look, if San Francisco was interested in C.J. Beathard, I think. I mean, I'm sorry, if San Francisco was interested <laughs> in Nick Foles. I, I know the Eagles would have been open to trading him, but they're going to ride it out with Beathard, which I understand. We'll see if another quarterback situation emerges to where the Eagles could trade Foles because that would really facilitate their ability to to take on Bell from a, a cap standpoint and to a lesser degree cash. Um, so we'll see. You know, we've got a, obviously four weeks till the deadline and at least seemingly a couple of weeks, what, better than two weeks before uh, Le'Veon Bell shows up at an NFL facility. Yeah. Uh, Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, suffered an ankle injury uh, that, that – caused him to miss the end of the Dolphins game, a blowout for the Patriots. The Patriots also play on Thursday night. you hear anything about Gronk and what the Patriots might do with him on Thursday in terms of, like, I mean, the, the, to me, the obvious 30,000-foot uh, viewpoint here is don't play Gronk because yeah. it's a short week. You can beat the Colts without him, and they're coming off an overtime game. Get him 10 days of rest, right? Yeah, you know, I don't think this injury is is severe from what I've heard, and part of why he left that game when he left the game on Sunday was because that game was over. You know, that game had been over for really since probably 10 minutes in. But, yeah, the short week makes it tougher. If You know, could he play and be a glorified decoy? Probably. It's not like like that roster's so star-studded that you can't find a 45th roster spot for Gronk, like, Oh, could we do we keep Gronk up as a you know <laughs> as a decoy or like do we dress whom you know like uh, again it's not like in too many position groups they have more more players than they need so you know those sort of decisions and how Belichick plays it remain to be seen um, but I have a hard time thinking you know he's a he comes in there and is a big part of what they do on Thursday night to any degree and yeah the smartest move probably is. Just, you know, don't play in week five, and, and now you've, you've given him extended rest. On the other side, Frank Wright, I know you were tweeting about this on Sunday. Frank Wright went for the fourth down. You like the call on fourth down. Uh, loved you, it. Okay, explain to me why you loved it, and explain to me why Pete Prisco is a moron for hating it. Or why uh, Pete Prisco is a moron and for different reasons, whatever. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about a team – that let let's face it is not they're not going to the Super Bowl this year right they're not they're not really no. going to the they've been much better than I thought defensively but does anybody think the Colts are going to the playoffs this year or or that even if they somehow got in they're like last year's Bills or last year's Titans right, right. they they are not right now currently built to go win multiple games in January I think everybody would accept that they're at home they've dominated the second half of that game. The, the Texans have not been able to get them off the field, which is why they've come back from 17 down or whatever it was. The Texans' defense is completely gassed. Go If anybody was watching the game, Texas defense on the field pretty much the fourth quarter and through most of that long overtime. And Andrew Luck is in his own. And what, so they're, they, they're playing to be 1-2-1. One, and one. You know what I mean? Right. Like, really? Like, why? Like, why? You know? Like, I mean... Like it's not like this is week seventeen, and you just know anything other than a loss, you know, gets you in 
the playoffs. So somehow a tie is better than a loss. I mean, in this case, you got a chance to put a stake through the heart of the Texans season. Your quarterback wants to go for it. Everybody on the offense feels like they can make a play. They all have been making plays, even with T.Y. Hilton out for the, for most of the game. I'm going for it. My own whatever, 50? I mean, actually, the guy who comes out of this, like everybody's talking about Vrabel and all the times he went for it, and everybody talked about the way it worked out for Reich. The guy who might have got himself fired if that fourth and two mm-hmm. is converted and it was damn close to being converted is Bill O'Brien, who at 0-3, with the world on fire around him and his team collapsing, kicked the field goal rather than go for it on fourth and ten. And he literally played for the tie and gave Andrew Luck the ball back with two minutes left, and he hasn't been able to stop all game. And you know he ran a draw play in the final, in like the next last play of, or the third to last play of regulation. He after they scored a tie, it he gets the ball with forty five seconds left on his own twenty five. You have. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, the Colts haven't been able to think about stopping them all game, and he runs a draw play to Alfred Blue with no timeouts. Like like Bill O'Brien just playing as scared as scared as can get. Yeah, I mean, so what message is that sending? A guy who played for let's be 0-3-1 versus a guy who said, look, if we're really going to have a chance to surprise people and I really do want to change the culture around here and I just spent six months telling people how it's different now, and I'm, and I do think like Doug Peterson. Then why now would I not do, do you know any sort of forward thinking analytical model? In, and in my estimation, just plain common sense, given where that franchise is and where they hope to go, and how early they are in that program. And if you're really empowering Andrew Luck, then let's go do it. Yeah. And they almost did. And I can't hate on them for not doing it because. I mean, he's going to punt that. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. If you, I, if you, me, if you, I loved it, and you, I still love it now. And, if, I mean, the fact that it, they didn't convert it. I mean, if you'd watched that game, there wasn't a guarantee that the Texans were picking up another first down the way that the way things had started to go for them. I right. mean, I, I don't know. I, I I love it, and nothing I've seen since then makes me not love it. If, if, it's, if it's, you know... This isn't like Bill Belichick when he did it, you know, what was that, that Monday night game against the Colts when he went for it from his own 35. Like, there isn't going to be uh, a Texans-Colts tiebreaker for the second wild card spot. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the way, okay, well, the Colts and the Patriots back in the day used to always, you know, battle for the first seed or whatever, or maybe it affects your seeding. I mean, I think you got to be real about the big picture. And to me, every big picture indicator, especially given – where Frank Reich just came from and what the Eagles do. And that's part of the reason you hired him, right? Like, if he were to punt there, I'd be like, bro, why are you, why are you changing who you're supposed to be? Yeah. I, and I think too, like, look, it's not like you use a game like this to send a message to your team, but it does have, like, all those guys, you heard what they said, Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, they all had Frank Reich's back. They were all like, man, this, yes, like, this is what we want to do. We don't want to play scared. And that, that does, that does matter if you look at how the Eagles have operated over the past two or three years. Doug Peterson's willingness to to be all in and to go for it and to be big brass balls, Doug or whatever they call him in Philly, is it pervades the locker room and it and it and it and it, it's a it's a 
enthusiasm that that crosses over into the players. And I think when your players believe in you like that, or when when you when your players believe that your coach is going to believe in the players, it matters. And the Colts are a long way off from being a good football team, but they've at least done, I think, a lot this season to show that they can be yeah. tougher, that they can be an aggressive franchise that, that wins these games. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I mean, it, sure, there's that brass balls element. There's also just like the sort of intellectual element of it as well. You know right. what I mean? Just sort of like Analytical. Also about being smarter than them. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and they gave us this chance, right? They handed us this chance to have these two minutes to put them away. And so we're going to, we're going to do what they did and just play for the punt it back to them and play. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, that tie is as good as a loss. So I understand that now O'Brien gets the win, but like at what cost? And, and they ask so much of these players and you want players to have an edge, you know what I mean? And be cutthroat and, and you know, they're out there literally risking their health, you know, their necks, their spines on every play. And then when the moment gets big for these coaches who let's face it, there haven't been a whole lot of big moments for either of those teams. I mean, not a whole lot, well, the, the lot was expected of the Titans, but they came up so small for four straight weeks. I mean, even in this victory, uh, to me, they came up small. Um, that, like, okay, well, when the when the when the light does shine on you, what do you do? Oh, let's just kick the field goal here. Right. Okay. Um, a Seattle lost Earl Thomas to for the season with a fractured leg. He was probably going to get traded, or potentially get traded. Um, wh- what is Earl's market now? And do you <laughs> think that this Situation with Thomas and just the way that things have unfolded for Seattle are. See, I mean, look, Seattle's two and two, but they they played three games on the road. Are, are they careening? Are they going to careen off the rails here, or are they? Is this a team that people are sleeping on? Where do you, like where do you stand on Seattle, and what is Earl Thomas's market? Two very different. Questions. I mean, I Sorry. think Earl, Earl. You know, I I, I got to be honest. I have. I mean, obviously, it's a significant injury. He's done for the season. I haven't really done a whole lot of work on. You know what I mean? Like what what he'll be able to do right. while the teams are at the combine. You know what I mean? Where he'll be exactly physically and, and what he could do physically and, and how much of a workout and, and how much football activities is he doing in you know, in March when, when free agency opens. I, I'm not I'm not positive. Um he suffered a series of significant injuries in recent years. He's gonna be on the wrong side of thirty. And the teams that were interested in acquiring him weren't interested in throwing $12 million, you know, a year right. at him for the next five years as part of those trades. They all had, you know, well, we, you know, in their minds, we could still slow play this, you know, at eight. And if we have to franchise him next year, we can. But so I, I don't think it's going look, 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 look at the safety market this off season. And I get that he's a special player, but age and injury history are working against him. So I, I don't think there's, I mean, he knows it. Look at his reaction. You know what I mean? Like, he, he knows what was going on in a lot of these trade talks. Going all the way back, I first reported on it in, like, February when they were talking to Dallas and, you know, asking for too much. And Dallas is saying, well, we're not going to give you that if we, you know, if this is what he's asking for. And there weren't teams lining up to pay him 10 to $12 million a year for the next five years, mm-hmm. especially to give up anything to do it. So I, I think the suppression of the safety market um, and, and now – Coming in off another significant injury, I, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna hit a jackpot. I think it could end up being. Let me get the best proven contract I can wow. with the best team, and then try to get one more, you know, long longer term bite at the apple a year later if he can stay healthy. You know, as for the Seahawks, man, they're they're two and two, but 
it's a struggle. I mean, it's a struggle. I think they're going three and out over 33% of the time. Not, you know, so not, one of every three great, drives is a three and out. Like I, I looked at the numbers the other day of working on it for a column. It was, it was kind of staggering. Um, now I guess Mike Davis is their running back du jour. You know, I don't know. Um, doesn't look like they're getting a whole lot of, out of the, the recent first-round picks. I mean, Baldwin's back out there, but, you know, he's clearly dealing with some stuff. I don't see Brandon Marshall as a guy who gets better as the season goes on at this stage of his career. Um, they lost their tight end also, who had been emerging for uh, for, for Russell Wilson. I, I don't know, man. Um, they get the Rams. I, I they think, get the they get the Rams at home. Then the Raiders on the road. Then a bye week. Then the Lions on the road, which means that they're going to have two of their first uh, seven games are at home. That's a that's a weird shift. And then Chargers at home after after that Lions game. And then the Rams on the road again. And then the Packers at home. This is not, I mean this is a problem for the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean I think every game is going to be a low scoring struggle for the most part. Pete Carroll knows how to coach defense, and they've 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 lost talent over there, but they still put up a pretty decent fight. Um, but you know Russell Wilson can only do so much, and I, I just uh, I don't know why they didn't trade her all in the off season. I mean they had so much time to do it, and they were never going to pay him, and this was not going to be you know, year seven of their great run. It was always going to be year two of their, they're not who they used to be. Right. Um, not that it, I, I didn't think it was going to be a four and 12 year and it's not the way some did, but I, I you know, it, it, it felt to me like a, a, a struggle to win eight or nine games. And that's probably how it's going to play out with or without Earl. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think they should have looked a little more sternly at who they are in the mirror and acted accordingly, you know, and I think the Denver Broncos are in that same boat and the New York Giants are in that same boat. Um, and, and, you know, the Houston Texans are in that boat now. And if I were them, I'd be using the month of October to uh, try to shift some of my resources and assets and prepare for the future. I doubt they will, but because NFL teams don't usually do that, especially not in season the way we see teams do it in other sports. But right. I think they should accept it for the market correction that it is, but but we'll see, you know. But I, I think all those teams kind of fooled themselves to one degree or another. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's it's 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 hard to give up in the middle of a season um, if you're the Seattle Seahawks. There, some referee stuff popped up this week uh, on Monday night. The Chiefs had a, a play clock get down to zero, um, and then the the notable one, I think the Browns, the Browns and the Raiders had. Like seventeen different screw ups by the referees. I think it was actually I think it was actually four, but like one was a, a an Arden Key roughing the passer call that was just wild in terms of I can't believe it was actually called. Do you think that the NFL has a decent grasp on this roughing the passer stuff yet? Well, I, I think overall across the league this week it was it it was not the issue it had been. And, sure. Um there were fewer fewer thrown. I mean they were averaging uh, 11, 11 a weekend, you know, I mean, it was 34 through three weeks, 13 of them, I was told were dead weight. So you're getting, um, or, you know, body weight, whatever you want to call it. So you're getting four a weekend of those alone and 11 total. And, um, you know, what I reported over the weekend was that while publicly they're saying everything the same privately, they whispered to the referees, like you don't have to be quite as 
sort of eager and ready to throw it. Mm. And you don't have to guess quite as much. And if you haven't seen every view you and your crew, haven't seen every visual key um, and every parameter that it takes to fully meet this standard, then you can't just assume, well, we saw three out of the four. You know what I mean? Let's throw it. Like you, you've got to be a little more sure. And that go, those kind of directives go a long way with the crews. That tells them the wind's blowing in a little bit of a different direction, even though we're going to staunchly say publicly it's not. And, yes, we're still all about protecting quarterbacks, but, you know, guess a little less was sort of the, the subtle um, <laughs> message to them. And I think they got, you know, I think by and large, most crews got that. Um, so, you know, that – Plus, as these things expand over a sample size, you know, they tend to stabilize. Plus, there's been so many of these high-profile things that I, I do think, whether the player is always able to physically account for it or not, they do now, you know what I mean? It seems more guys are making an effort, sometimes to their own detriment, to stop, drop, and roll, you know, and, and bring these quarterbacks down in a more forgiving fashion. So I I, I tend to think that, and then you know how things get, you know, they play, it seems like guys always get to play a little bit more in December when we're, you know, we're all those divisional games down the stretch that's decide who's in the playoffs and who's not. So I tend to think this subsides a bit as we go through the season, again, doing no small part to what's been told to the referees. Yeah. I liked on Thursday night. It's like the, the Vikings and Rams game and you could do whatever you wanted because it was in LA. They wanted a high scoring game and Roger Goodell's like on the sidelines. They're like, do not throw a flag. <laughs> if Goodell sees a bad flag, he will kill us. Um, all right. We're going to get an overreaction real quick from you. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback to ever play football. Yes or no? I think he is the greatest professional athlete to ever play a professional sport. Watching stop at football. Um, but for, for real though. He is Babe Ruth wearing a Tom Brady jersey while driving a golf ball 500 feet and serving a tennis ball 100 miles an hour with his other hand. (laughs) And what have I left out? While wearing Michael Jordan sneakers and Wayne Gretzky's old um, like CCM Skates? helmet. Oh, okay. Um, he's he's Tony Hawk meets Billy Jean King meets Michael Jordan meets Wayne Gretzky meets uh, Kevin Gossman. How about that? Yeah, he's God <laughs> sitting on Buddha's lap. <laughs> uh, all right, where Stop would you, where one. would you rank Mahomes? Like, are we are we all overreacting to Mahomes? He he is Prisco's. Tanning bed maintenance guy shaking <laughs> hands with Nick's the with the the gal who shaves Nick's chest or whatever or peels it off peels off his chest hair or whatever. <laughs> so in other words, it's uh, like Wonder Twins activate. <laughs> I mean, but for real, he is a top, is he a top five? He's in a freaking. I mean, he's crazy. It's insane. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, people are like, is he is he? Favre or is he Aaron Rodgers? Like I tweet, he's both. Like, he's he's everything. Like I mean, you 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 can't do any better than what what he's done. And the fact that they had to do it a little bit differently Monday night, and it wasn't all well. Let's just go out and score on our first five drives. You know what I mean? Then relax for a minute, and then go dominate the fourth quarter again. This was a very different script, different game flow. 
a um, lot of different elements, playing from behind, the most riotous road atmosphere he's faced since, a huge rivalry game that felt like a rivalry game. Uh, and, and they had a hunt and peck, and a lot of what, what had been there, a lot of what had come easy was taken away from them by Denver's defense for most of the game. And he was under more duress than I've seen, and it wasn't all just stay in the pocket and light him up. And he still, you know, he still made enough plays to win. Still ended up throwing for 300 yards. Still, most importantly, didn't turn it over. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't. I mean, there's got, there's got to be some bad games, you know. Like there just will be. Everybody, uh, everybody, ha- everybody has bad games. Tom Brady has bad games. Like there has to, there probably will be a month where he slumps some, and it's more than just a game, but. There's so much there already, and there's so much just – he seems to have the cerebral side down. He seems to have the emotional side down, the leadership side down, the uh, – like just every – like I don't know, man. I don't know what he doesn't do well. You know, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I, I haven't – the way he handles himself with the media, the way he delegates – the ball the players in game and spreads it around like a point guard, but then, you know, also in terms of credit and blame and all that and, and, and how he naturally deflects things. Um, he seems to want to be in big spots and then make the most of it. I, it's, it's special, man. I mean, it's special and they brought him along, obviously the best way possible. And yes, he's got a lot of things going for him that other guys don't in terms of what's around him. But it doesn't mean that it's easy to maximize that stuff either, and he's maximizing it. He sure is. He looks freaking amazing. All right, uh, anything else that you uh, we need to cover? Did I forget anything? Uh, <laughs> I'll take I don't that. Know. I'll take that. Anything, I'll take that as a firm. Anything, I'm trying to think if there's any anybody. What did you think of Jameis? I just think that that thing there is. Oh yeah, I, to go way off the rails. Well. I mean, I mean, I know he hadn't played in a few weeks, but like all anybody down there was talking about was you know, he had a great preseason. He had a great preseason. I mean, he was to me, he looked chaotic and frenetic. Like he almost looked hyper. Like somebody sped him up, you know. And, and <laughs> I mean, everything, his footwork, like nothing looked like it was coming easy to him. And I get it; it's Vic Fangio's defense and all that. But I mean, you'd think at thirty-eight to five or whatever it was, you know, thirty-five to three when he came in, it's not like the the Bears are gonna, you know. Keep keep blitzing every down. Like they just want to get off the field too, you know, and live to fight another day. They don't want to get guys hurt. They got a thirty three whatever point lead when you come in the game, and you're running around like that and turning it over and missing wide open Deshaun Jackson. And I looked this stat up: balls this year thrown over twenty one yards in the air. Mm-hmm. Fitzy eight of twelve for three hundred and eighty seven yards. That's like thirty something a completion. That's good. Five touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 150. He's got the, the best in the league at doing that. Jameis Winston, all of last season, was like 15 for 57, like 28%, um, for 460 yards. So, you know, in the course of a whole season, maybe, what, 60 more yards than Fitzy already had in three and a half starts with uh, six touchdowns and like three interceptions and a, the 27th best quarterback rating on balls that travel 21 yards in the air. So, and, you know, and that, that makes sense because anybody who watched him with Deshaun Jackson last year looked like they weren't playing the same sport, right? right? So the one thing they had that was offsetting 
the difficulties on defense was the ability to quick strike with Fitzy. You've now replaced that with what I just gave you from Jameis. And now this is a Jameis kind of fighting for his career, which I don't know if that's going to bring out the best in him or not. Maybe it will. But that just, I mean, and the, and the coach comes out and says, <laughs> what is- they should fire everybody. Like, yeah, that's what people were saying about you last January. Doesn't mean you need to refer- reaffirm it at 2-2 two and two going into a bye. You know, there's other things you could say, like, hey, man, what we did today wasn't good enough. It's not acceptable. Hat tip to the Bears. Takes two teams to play. That defense might do that to a lot of people moving forward. But we got our starting quarterback back. We're going to reassess at the bye. And at 2-2, two and two, you know, we got a chance to make moves. That's very different than, like, fire us all during the bye. We are a disgrace. How, how, could, how could ownership have let us go out on the field and do that? Like, be careful what you wish for. Did uh, Yeah, I mean, like, where is this coming from? Like, where is the order to play Jameis in the second half coming from? I, like, I get that they're down. I don't think there's an order. I mean, I just think it made they're, – they're sitting there saying, well, look, we do have to play him to find out if he's worth $25 million a year. Yeah. And, like, Fitz, Fitz magic is over. You know what I mean? Now, Fitz average might still end up being better than Winston, but <laughs> we got to find out, right? So we're not Fitz magic. We're now Fitz average. And we're down 33, and Vic is going to call off the Wolves and just play a bunch of prevent. And Jameis, this is a perfect, it's like he gets a, it's his, you know, fifth exhibition game. He can come in there, play a half, pad the stats, you know, throw a bunch of underneath stuff, get a couple touchdowns, and that'll have him feeling good going into the bye. Yeah, I mean. Not so much. I guess. I mean, that's what should have happened, and it didn't work out at all. I mean, is Dirk Cutter now. Can Dirk Cutter survive this through the season if the Bucks go? Because look, they've got this schedule where they're um, they're three of the next four are on the road. They're at Atlanta, uh, at um, they got at Carolina and at at uh, Cincinnati. They got a home game mix in there too. Um, are they? I mean, are they going to? Is he going I to survive like this coming into the year? And I Falcons, really don't, Falcons, don't like them now. Falcons they on the road. The most offensive points. I like people get caught up looking at points allowed. You got return touchdowns in there. You know what I mean? You yeah. got a ton of field goals in there. Some of them are 55-yard field goals. So I look at offensive points allowed. They're worse than a league with a bullet in offense. So that's like, that's stone cold. It's not your special teams. It's not that, you know, the other team's kicker is all that awesome. It's that your your defense is straight up giving up too many points. They give up, they give up, they give up six touchdowns to Mr. Trubisky. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah, I... I, I I mean, I don't think Jason Pierre-Paul is going to, like, reverse the course of their season, you know? Like, I, I just and, – and and they can't run the ball. They're, they're running the ball like 2.4 or something to carry. So, I mean, that ain't helping Winston either. I, I, it's a mess. I think I think things are about to take a very southward turn in Tampa Bay after an incredible – I think they are who we thought they were. And yeah. we will look back on the first two weeks as, you know, the anomaly and not the rule. I think you're right. All right, you can catch Jason Lockenfora on the NFL Today every Sunday at noon on CBS. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ at cbsports.com backslash live. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Lockenfora. Thanks as always, buddy. Good to talk to you. You got it, man. Talk to you soon.